0: So good morning, church. As Renee mentioned a moment ago, we are in the midst of a series that we are calling Follow Me. Remembering that time that Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee and he encountered Simon and Andrew, James and John, later Matthew, and offered them a simple invitation. Drop everything that you're doing and follow me. That invitation is one that is offered to us as well, as we are called to be disciples of the one that we call Christ, to follow Him, to learn from Him, to emulate Him. In this series, we are looking at five basic practices. What we consider to be the essential steps on the discipleship path, we started by looking at worship and the importance of worshiping as a community of faith. Last week, Shannon talked about prayer and invited us to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day and to pause at two other times during the day to simply offer a word of thanks. To pray five times a day. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of continuing to study and to grow, to go deeper into our faith. The text that we'll be using to help us get there is from 2 Timothy which is one of my favorite books in all the Bible. It is one of the three pastoral letters that were written by Paul, believed to be the last letter that he wrote. Paul is in prison, and he's writing to Timothy, recognizing that his life is probably about to end. And so he writes to his young protege and tells him, tells him go deeper. Study scriptures, grow in your faith, and help others do the same. That is the invitation for us as well. And so as you listen to this word today, may you open your eyes and your ears and your heart to God's holy word.
1: from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Scripture Is inspired by God, and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that all who belong to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. The Word of God for the people of God.
0: Thanks. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to a conference just outside of Kansas City, and one of the speakers was a gentleman by the name of Bob Goff, who's a fascinating individual. He's a a best-selling author. He is a self-proclaimed recovering lawyer, though he still teaches law at Pepperdine University. But his greatest love, his greatest passion... Is an organization that he founded a number of years ago called Restore International. And they go around the world in places like Uganda and India fighting injustices against children and, in particular, human trafficking. He told about the first time that he ever went to Uganda. He was traveling there with a driver and they were going throughout the country in a jeep. And one time they pulled into a a small village, and there just outside in the town square, there were some young kids playing soccer. And so, Bob got out and began kicking the ball with them, played soccer with them for a little while. And when it was time for them to leave, they got back into the Jeep, and as they were pulling out of town, Bob began to wave at the children. Pretty soon, they started chasing after him. He thought that was pretty cool, so then he began to wave with both hands, and now more and more kids were following. First, there was five, and then there was 10, and then there was something like 30 kids following him. As he waved, he said to his driver, what am I missing here? What's up with all these kids? He said, sir, in America, this means goodbye. In Uganda, this means follow me. When he returned to the United States and got back home, he reflected on that occasion. And he thought about how many times in his own life, he was simply waving at Jesus. All the while, Jesus was inviting him, follow me. That is the invitation that is there for all of us. That is a question that all of us must ask on this day and every day. Are we just waving at Jesus, or are we following him with our very lives? When someone is interested in joining University Christian Church, we invite them to, to something that we call UCC It's a membership seminar. And over the course of that seminar, we talk to them about the the vision and the mission and the core values of our congregation. We talk a little bit about our church's history and what it means to be a part of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, the denomination of which we are a part. We talk about ways to get involved, and at the end, in the end, they bring in the closer. That's me. And I invite them to be a part of of University Christian Church. A few years ago, I was doing that and I gave them the invitation and told them what a privilege it would be for me to be able to serve as their pastor. And there was a young man in the back that raised his hand and said, before I join, I have a question. I said, sure, what is it? He says, if I were to join your church, what would be expected of me? This is a pretty good question. Actually, in 30 years of ministry, I don't think anybody had ever asked me that question. Before I join, he said, any organization, I like to know what's expected. Pretty smart policy, I guess. Whenever Kelly, my wife, asks me to do a favor, I always say, well, that depends. What is it before I commit? I think that one of the great failures of most churches is that they don't have a discipleship strategy. They have programs, they have ministries, but not a discipleship path. In the same way, they don't clearly communicate what is expected from their members or what their members can expect from the church. It's a two-way street, isn't it? You see, for far too long, with the decline in membership, the decline in number of people that are going to church, not just in this church, but across the United States, around the world, with fewer and fewer people going to the church, I think that in many ways we have done whatever we can do to lower the bar, to lower the expectations, afraid that if we made it too hard, that people would go someplace else. For instance, according to our denominational standards, to be a part of a congregation, to maintain your membership... In a Christian church, Disciples of Christ, do you know what is required of you, what is expected of you, according to the denomination? You are to attend worship one time in a given year, and to give at least one dollar in the course of a year. Yet despite those low expectations, the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, has been in decline for 50 years. But here's what I've come to realize, that the churches that are growing, the churches that are most alive, the churches that are thriving are those with higher expectations than lower expectations. In fact, statistics now show that, that people tend to leave those low expectation churches in order to attend one with higher expectations rather than the reverse You see, I think that, by and large, in the mainline Protestant tradition, we have so watered down what it means to follow Jesus that I think sometimes, as you might be right now, people are surprised by a sermon that talks about the expectations and not just cheap grace that costs nothing of you. Look across the culture, churches that are most alive, churches that are thriving, are those ones that set the same expectations of their members that Jesus set of His disciples. Those churches that are most alive, those that are thriving, are those that talk less about membership and more about discipleship. Those churches that are most alive, those that are growing, are those that that focus less on gaining members and more on making disciples. Do you remember back in the 80s, I think it was the old American Express ad, the tagline there at the end Membership has its privileges. Sadly, I think that that mentality has seeped into the church. Discipleship talks less about privileges and more about responsibilities and expectations. Remember, when Jesus extended that invitation to Simon Peter and to Andrew and to James, to John, to Matthew, he wasn't looking for groupies. He said, come, follow me, lay down your life. And they dropped their nets, and they left everything behind, and that invitation came with an expectation that they would shape their entire life around their faith, and not their faith around their entire life. Later in the gospel, when he was giving the Sermon on the Mount, and by this time, more and more folks had come to follow, come to be disciples, and he stood there on the hillside and he said, the gate that leads to life is narrow, and the road is hard, and there are few that find it. All that, I believe it's safe to say that his expectations were a little higher than coming to church one Sunday a year and giving one dollar a year. A few years ago, Bill Maher said, the problem with Christians is that too many of them are fans and not followers of Jesus. First, I thought that was pretty cute, pretty clever. It's a nice little phrase. Turn on words there. But then, as I allowed that to wash over me, I was convicted. As I thought about my own life and realized just how right he was, that the problem with too many of us Christians is that we are fans and not followers of the one that we call Christ. We claim the name, but not the lifestyle. We say we're Christians, but fail to live out what Jesus calls us to do. We don't tip. We don't tithe. We tip. We don't welcome the stranger. It's a whole lot easier to judge the outsider. We claim the name, but not the lifestyle. Brian McLaren wrote a book a couple of years ago called A Generous Orthodoxy. One of our Sunday school classes right now is studying that book together. And in that book, he says this. He says, the more that I study the Bible and I reflect on the life and the teachings of Jesus the more that I think that most of Christianity as practiced today has very little to do with the real Jesus found in Scripture. And he goes on to ask, has Jesus become less our Lord and more our mascot? In other words, are we ready to follow him down the road that invites us towards a path of forgiveness and gratitude and grace? Are we ready to follow him on a road that invites us to, to love our enemies and to pray for those that persecute him? Or are we more interested in a sweet, fuzzy Jesus? It's cuddly. Makes us feel good about ourselves. I know that McLaren's not alone And a lot of scholars are now saying that, by and large, the mainline church in America has watered down the gospel. And as such, we have a fair understanding about Jesus, but have lost sight of the teachings of Jesus. There was another book that came out a couple of years ago called Religious Literacy, What Every American Needs to Know But Doesn't. And one of the things that this book pointed out is that many, not all, but many church members stopped attending Sunday school when they were in about the sixth grade. About the time we do the believer's baptism here in our tradition, other churches do confirmation around that time, and, and, and a lot of young people use that as an opportunity to sort of graduate from the church. And as such, he said, most Christians have about a sixth grade education when it comes to the Bible and matters of faith points out that in the United States, which is one of the most religious places on earth, but it is also a nation of shocking religious illiteracy. Listen to this. Nearly two-thirds of Americans believe that the Bible holds the answers to all or most of life's basic questions. And I've also read that 87% of Americans own a Bible, Nearly two thirds believe that it holds the answers to life's most basic questions, but yet only half of American adults can name even one of the four gospels, and most Americans cannot name the first book of the Bible. Now, we're not going to have a quiz here this morning. I'm not going to ask you to name one of the four gospels. I'm not going to ask you how many of you know that Hesitations is the first book of the Bible. I was just seeing who was paying attention. (laughs) I I was taking notes. I know who laughed and who didn't. When we read the Scriptures, what we see with Jesus and his disciples, with Paul and his young friend Timothy, is the invitation to grow deeper, to grow deep in our faith, to push ourselves, to take risks, to ask big questions. You see, I believe with all that I am that faithful disciples are lifelong learners fueled by curiosity that they find ways to grow, to study, to learn. Faithful disciples continue to go deeper in what it means to be a person of faith. And that's why here at University Christian Church, we have identified, we have named curiosity as one of our core values. That's why here at University Christian Church, we're not going to tell you what to think or what to believe but hopefully we're gonna give you the tools and teach you how to live out your faith based upon your own belief structure. You see, we want you to think for yourself, to do your own theological work. We want you to be forward-thinking, curious about matters of life and faith, because because we believe that, that to figure out what Scripture means, to make it relevant for our own life is not just one of the great privileges of life, but one of the great responsibilities of being a Christian. We want you to think for yourself and what it means for you, yourself, your life situation. Because the truth is is if we don't make this real, if we don't make it relevant for each and every one of us, then what's the point? You see, University Christian Church, as the university's church, our DNA is to be a church of curious-minded, thinking people, a place where we don't expect you to, to check your brain at the door, a place where you can bring your questions and your doubts. We believe that our call as a church is to inspire, to encourage, to equip you to become a deeply committed follower of Jesus Christ but to also realize that while it is imperative for us each to be able to think for ourselves, to do our own theological work, it's also important for us to remember that faith is always private, but it is never, excuse me, I said that wrong, it is always personal, but it is never private. That we are called to work it all out in community. Faith is not something that we do on our own, it's something that we do Together. Jesus. Jesus sought to, to, to allow his followers to gather around him, to inspire him, to challenge him, to ask him questions. He gathered this group of disciples. He created his own small group and they decided to live in community together. And I believe that it is a model for who we are called to be as well. How we are called to live out our faith. And I suspect you believe that too, which is partly the reason that you're here this morning. I believe it is important to be a part of a community of faith, a small group, to connect with people, to help people, but also to be inspired by them, to have them challenge you and push you, encourage you, in the same way that Jesus modeled and helped us see what it meant to live a life of faith. See, here's the thing. I have three degrees in religion and theology. But there has never been a time when I've not been studying Scripture together in a small group talking about matters of life and faith that someone hasn't said something that I had never thought of in my life, that I haven't been inspired or challenged or thought to ask a new question never, not once. Pablo Casals, world-famous cellist, when he was 94 years old, he still practiced the cello four hours every day. Someone came to him and said, Pablo, Pablo, why do you practice so much? You're the greatest cellist in all the world. Why do you spend so much time? He said, at 94 years old, I think I'm just starting to get the hang of it. You see, the Christian faith, living the life that God desires for us, is an ongoing process. It's never complete. We're never done learning and growing and going deeper. In the churches that are thriving, churches that are most alive, worry less about the privileges of membership and focus more on the costs and the steps of discipleship. Jesus said to those disciples, and he says to us, follow me. Follow me. The road is long. It is difficult. It is painful at times. It comes at great cost. But follow me anyway. Because what you will discover is the life that you would have asked for in the first place if you knew what you were looking for. Come. Follow me to the life that you were created to live. Amen.